Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we will discuss with industry experts on how to create wealth and build passive income from apartment buildings, self-storage, mobile home parks, and much more. Here is your host, Jonathan Way. Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Way, and I'm the founder of Grayson Capital Group, my investment firm. If you're interested in passively investing with us, please visit graystonecapgroup.com and join our investor network. Okay, and now on to the show. Hello, Ken. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much, uh, Jonathan, for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Great, great. Ken, you could share your background to our audience and how you got started multifamily and, 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 and your journey. Yeah, sure. So that's a pretty open question. <laughs> and so it started, uh, wow, 25, 26 years ago, a long, long time ago. Um, I was uh, working at Deloitte. Uh, by the by, background, I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. Got my undergraduate from the University of Toledo. Went to Cleveland. Became a, a commercial lender. Uh, went to grad school at night. Got my master's from Case Western Reserve. Then I went to work for Deloitte as a CPA. <clears throat> and it was then uh, I remember my daughter was really really young. And, and I tell the story. I'll try to shorten it for for the for your your show, but. I remember sitting uh, in my daughter's room one night. She was literally an infant, just born. I was doing her night feeding. And I loved it because it was the only time I got to see her, right? If you know much about how CPAs work, uh, they work like dogs. And uh, so my time with my new daughter was in the middle of the night doing a feeding. And it was all cool until one night I just started realizing, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is this the life that I want for myself? This is the quality time I get to spend with my daughters like two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I, I didn't like that, right? I was, uh, say, I felt like I had done everything I was supposed to do. I went to school, got a good job. I mean, God, I'm a CPA, right? I should be killing it. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't figure out how that was going to get me to where I wanted to be, how I was going to put them through school without racking up tons of debt, how I was going to spend quality time with them. And uh, so that was really the catalyst that made me realize, man, I need to change this. Something, this, something's got to give here. Mm-hmm. So, I'd already, I was always, I had bought uh, one small apartment building, but not with a, a very, you know, a very uh, deliberate purpose, right? I thought it would be my retirement income, uh, but now I buckled down and I really got to figure out real estate. I spent about a year and a half working on it, and uh, over that period of time, I got enough guts to buy like three properties and sold them three years later. And and this is this is what happened. I mean, this is the mind blowing part. So after three years, I sold those properties and I made half a million dollars. Now, here's what's crazy. That was on the side while I was still working at Deloitte. Wow. Right? Like working as a like a dog as a CP. And I thought, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before, I just couldn't figure out how I was going to get from point A to point B. Guess what? I got it now. I have a plan. And now I know that plan works yeah. because I did it. I did it and I did it on the side. So it was that at that point in my life, I said, you know what? This has got to be my trajectory. This has got to be my path. And, uh, you know, 25, 26 years later, here I am. You know, we have helped literally hundreds of people uh, do exactly what I've done, you know, passively invest in real estate. And, you know, we've made a lot of investors millions of dollars. So uh, that's kind of my beginning. Told you it was a a bit of a loaded question, but it it was really a life-changing event. Right. Uh, they got me into this. So obviously I no longer work for Deloitte. I'm still a CPA because once you are, you're always a CPA, yeah. but uh, I no longer practice now. This is all I do. Great. Awesome. That's great. Very similar to my story. PricewoodhouseCoopers, CPA. And we left, we left that, that, that very, you look like a dog basically. 
you do any, any cpa for them and you get and you treat like a number and a big four like you just get it done utilization ratio so i understand that kind of that kind mm-hmm. of hardship and that kind of you know spend how your family is very hard and there's no there's no balance really so that's why you have to leave to create your own future and your own legacy so that's great i'm, I'm very happy you did that yeah so uh, am i it trust me <laughs> yeah. yes yes so let's talk about um i guess and when when did you buy i guess you bought your first multi-family when you're working in deloitte right is that correct i did yeah yeah and you you need to renovate and and increase the rent so tell us the the five steps that you 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 acquire when you to renovate the, the property yeah so uh well before i get into that well i just want to spend a minute and just talk about you know i kind of happened into this value-add business model by accident and uh that's that sounds kind of weird but what happened to me was i had bought that first property and uh, remember i had been i worked for a bank for five years so i understood credit and all that kind of stuff well after i bought the property my my leasing person my part-time leasing person was taking applications but the credit was horrible and at the time this is way back when i was charging a 415 a month for rent and uh, i thought man this is not cool right I, I just put all this money into this property and i can't even get good people to live there and then I met with this lady. Her name's Karen. I won't use her last name because I don't even know if she's still alive, but she changed my life a second time. And she said, Ken, listen to me. You need to build it and they will come. You need to go and spend five grand in one of these units, make the kitchen really nice, buff the hardwood floors, do all these things to your apartment. And I'm telling you, you'll get good apps. And I said to her, I remember like it was yesterday, I said, Karen, are you nuts? I, I just spent every freaking penny I had buying this thing. And now you're telling me I got to spend five grand on an apartment unit. And she said, Ken, I'm just telling you, do it. All right. You'll be, you won't be sorry. So I got on my credit card, spent the five grand. And would, <laughs> this is, this is how I came to be a value add investor. We made that apartment nice. We rented it for five ninety nine, almost $200 more. Wow. And guess what? The apps were awesome. Now I tell you that story. Because it's as, you know, everything in my life kind of happens for a reason. I met that lady. She's changed my life. We've been value-add investors ever since. So there's three things. Now, I wasn't this smart back in 1997 when I came up with this, right? I mean, I fell into it. But what I've been able to fine-tune over the last 25 years are these five steps that we always follow. And three of them have nothing to do with renovating the property. All right. So the first, I know that doesn't make sense, but hear me out because it will when I'm done. So the first thing I want you to do is make sure you do a really in-depth, thorough market study. I want you to find out where all the apartments are nearby, whether they're much nicer than yours or worse than yours or the same as yours, and map out the market. People always want to look at rents and they say, I want to find the exact comparable property to mine. And that's what I'll price against. And that's not what you should do. You need to look up a tier, down a tier. You need to see and understand the whole market. And the reason you need to do that is because you're going to use that information to figure out, okay, here's where my property is today. If I do X, Y, and Z, I can actually make it a one tier better property. And so then it's going to become part of a new competitive pool. And I will be able to understand where those market rents are because I did my market study, which will kind of keep a lid on my spending and make sure that I don't do too much so that I can really make money here. So step one is that in-depth market study. Step two is to just figure out your budget. Like I said, you're going to take this, that information and you're going to know where you're going with rents. You're going to know where you are. 
And you're going to, because you've studied the various properties that are in that higher tier, you'll know what they have. So you'll know what you need to have in order to become comparable to them and get their quality rents. So that's, that's step two is, is to determine your budget based on all of this information. Step three, so now you've bought your property. You're ready to go, right? You're just chomping at the bit to go start renovating. But now I want you to do what doesn't make sense. It's so counterintuitive. I want you to sit on your hands for 30, 60, some period of time, number of days after you close. And the reason I want you to do that, because, and it's for a reason. So this happened to me. The story that I'm going to tell you actually happened to me. A long, long time ago, I bought a property. I went full on the moment I closed and spent all my renovation money and fixed everything I thought I needed to fix. Only about 30, 45 days later, I found out something about that property that now I really need to fix. I can't ignore, but I spent all my money. Really stupid move, right? So now, to this day, when I buy, I sit I sit and quietly just observe, figure out all the things that the seller didn't tell you because you know he's not telling you everything. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it goes. So that you can then take one more stab or actually another stab at your renovation budget to make sure you've allocated funds to do with the things that you definitely need to do with that you didn't know about before. So if, oh. if you take that time and just chill for a minute and just observe and figure out what's going on, you learn more information. You gather information that's super valuable that will put will, that will keep you from putting yourself in a spot where you have something you really got to fix, but you blew all your money on things that if you had it to do all over again, you probably would have done it differently. Mm, so that's three. So now you get to number four, and it's really now about renovating. So I always want people to do an outside-in approach to renovating. So there's two ways to renovate properties. You can, and, and some people believe this way works better. They feel that people live inside the apartment, right? So I want to make the inside of the apartment nice. So, I mean, the guy's inside this apartment. He doesn't care about what the outside looks like. He's inside. He wants a really nice apartment. And that's fine, except here's what happens if you don't renovate the outside first. You only have to be in this business to understand what happens when the leasing person complains to you that nobody's showing up for their appointments. They're making an appointment. God, he was so excited, and then he never showed up. And she never showed up, and they never showed up. What happened was those people drove up to the property, were not at all impressed with what they saw because you renovated inside the unit. They just kept right on driving. So if you don't start with the outside, you can't get them to that locked front door that's going to show off all the amazing granite countertops and everything else you put inside the unit. So start at the outside, literally follow your prospective renter as they're driving in, driving to your leasing office, take care of your amenity package, do all that stuff, get them, impress them there, right then and there, because you only have to spend that money one time to do it. Then when you get them to the unit, just don't let them down. Just don't screw it up then, right? So you kind of get them out of the way in and then just don't lose them inside the apartment. That doesn't mean you you go terrible, you know, you don't do a terrible job inside the units, but you no longer need to try to use the unit to really win them over. You've already won them over based on the outside. So that's why I like people using the outside in approach. That's why the only way we will renovate because it just doesn't make sense. And I've learned that lesson. And as soon as I hear a leasing agent say, 
people aren't showing for the appointments, that's when I know exactly what's wrong. It's a curb appeal problem and uh, people don't don't get that. And then the last thing, it's, it's kind of a, a part of the cycle. What I want you to do, remember I said, wait 30, 60 days before you start renovating. What I want you to do is constantly look at your plan and reassess it and make changes. This, this renovation plan, when we do a project, I mean, we're doing, we're rent, we're changing that plan constantly. It's because we're learning new things. We come up with different ideas. We hear what residents want, don't want. We hear what prospects, what what appealed to them at another place that we didn't have. And so I want you to be prepared to have this renovation budget be an iterative process going through many, many cycles. Mm. So many times I hear people that are new in the business, they feel like, well, wait a minute, I told my investors I was going to do this and I was going to do that and I was going to paint it purple and I was going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not changing that because if I do, my investors will think I have no clue what I'm doing. And the opposite is actually true. As you know, things change, the world evolves, you've got to change with it and your investors actually want you to be flexible. They don't tell you that because they're not thinking of it. But so many times I see, especially new people in this business, get hung up on their initial plan and just won't deviate from that initial plan. And I really want people to to not be afraid. Don't be afraid to change your plan. Mm -hmm. So that's a very long-winded answer to your five steps, but I think it kind of wraps up the whole renovation process, at least how we approach it. No, that's a great, great knowledge, and I can tell um, that's great uh, insight to my listeners because what you, what I, what I, what I noted was iteration of the renovation plan will change. Yes, don't be afraid from initial plans. Yes, mine changed so many times from what I initially expected. It didn't. Mm-hmm. As the world changed, COVID nineteen, there's so many things happened mm-hmm. that you're gonna have yeah. to you're forced to change because that's how you adopt to the new to new world, basically. Yeah. No, yeah. you're exactly right. Yeah, because you know, also makes it fun. <laughs> Makes it fun, yes, yes, and um, that's wonderful, great. So, tell us, what are your how? I know you're very successful in in raising capital. Tell us, what are your techniques in raising capital, and how do you do it for like a you know a project? You know, yeah, that's uh, that's a good question. So, <clears throat> a long time ago, I came up with like four rules that I want investors to follow when they're looking and investing with an investment firm. Mm-hmm. The first is you make sure you invest with somebody with experience. Yeah. Number two, make sure they have a good track record. Number three, make sure that they're willing to put you first in the terms of whatever deal that they're doing. Yes. And last, I'll make sure that that you're that they're transparent with you. So we use that as our sort of our value system when we do a deal and when we raise money. And the reason we do that, I mean, those are obviously some of our strengths because we've been doing this a long time. But what makes us probably most successful in raising money is that we're we communicate exactly what we're going to do, exactly how we're going to do it. Um, we're very focused on making sure the investors' goals line up with what we're trying to do with that investment. You know, if you have somebody who wants liquidity in their investment, well, real estate's not right for them because you can't just get them out at a moment's notice, right? They're not yeah. buying a stock or yeah. or a bond. So we spend a lot of time making sure we are matched up, number one. Number two, we point out the rules that just make sense when you think about vetting sponsors and show, you know, how we we actually fit all of those criteria. And if you just think about the criteria, they just make sense. And then just a lot of just marketing, being transparent and showing people that what we do, we're very thoughtful about it. We're very passionate about it. It's very well thought out. 
um, in terms of, you know, I always tell our people, nothing we do, we do on accident. Everything we do, it's very deliberate. It happens for a certain reasons. Because after 25 plus years, you I mean, you've made a lot of mistakes over the years. So you're like, okay, I'm not doing it that way anymore. I'm going to do it this way. And this is why we do it. So we try to communicate that. And what happens over time, I think, is investors, you know, start to trust that, you know what, this these people are well thought out. So I think that helps us a lot. Now, in terms of marketing, you know, we do webinars, we do, you know, online marketing, we do a lot of uh, in-person, like we do the money show uh, a number of times that we did in Orlando. We're going to Vegas in April. To their live money show, just getting in front of people, talking to them about what you do mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, and make sure that you have a good message to tell. And uh, certainly it doesn't hurt when you have a track record, you know, a 25 year track record. So, yes, yes. That's a, that's a very long record. I haven't, I don't know anyone as long as you doing it. I see many new, <laughs> new newbies and like, you know, our, our mastermind and 10 X and I see another uh, mastermind to come new and are excited, but they don't know the pain and the and the difficulty of actually operating a a, a multifamily unit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, and it can be painful sometimes. It's not all yeah. roses, but you know what? It yeah. it is. I wouldn't change it for the world. I I love what we do. That's why I do what I do. Okay, great, great. So, how people reach out to you, Ken, to want to invest your deal or talk to you more? Yeah, so uh, KRI part. I don't know if this is going to be on uh, video, but there's a QR code. Uh, at least I think of my background. You can certainly hit that, but it's kripartners.com/slash/invest, and that'll take you to our website. Just you know, let us know who you are, and then you can get access to our webinar, all of our you know our PPM, our operating agreement. We're currently raising our second blind pool fund. So in the last one, we raised $16.5 million, deployed it into three deals in Central and Northern Florida. And we're just doing the same thing now. We're in the capital raising uh, process right now uh, because we think there's going to be some incredible opportunities here over the next two to six months. And we hope to capitalize them. So uh, kripartners.com slash invest is the best way to, to reach out to us. Okay, great. Thank you very much. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. For more information, you can find us online at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. See you again next time.